Welcome to Chelsea in the Meadow. I'm your host, Chelsea, and I'll be joined by my occasional co-star, my sweet grandmother, Mimi. We've spent many of our days tending to our plants and animals on East Meadow Farm, but now we are embarking on a new project, the Chelsea in the Meadow podcast. We started this podcast to help guide you through the process of maintaining your own home garden. On our show, we truly believe that everyone can grow, and we want to help you, the listeners, be successful by sharing what we've learned from our experiences as longtime horticulturalists. Join us each week for tips on how to attain the garden of your dreams. This week on Chelsea in the Meadow, Mimi and I give step-by-step instructions for how we would build a garden bed from scratch. We start off with a dirt style that lacks a frame, then explain how to buy lumber for a wood-framed raised bed. We end this episode with lasagna gardening and how to start one for yourself. Listen on for great instructions to build your garden just as we would here at East Meadow. Hey everyone and welcome to Chelsea in the Meadow. So we're going to start off with our five-minute meadow update. This past week on the farm, we've been working on re-mulching our garden pathways with the rain and storminess that has followed this summer. It has washed away so much of our wood chips and made them degrade so quickly. It's something that we have to do every year, but man, it really... You notice the difference this year. (laughs) So we've been using the tractor and going back and forth from the wood chip piles and taking wheelbarrows and dumping wood chips and then raking them out, me and my mom. And it's been good. It's nice to get those fresh wood chips back in. Right, Mimi? Yes, it is. And then my part is I've been harvesting beets. And we started our beets back in probably about the middle of August, and we've been thinning and caring for them all summer, or all fall, I should say, and now they're about the right size to bring in the house, which is usually about an inch and a half wide, and we make pickled beets, and they also store beautifully, so it doesn't matter how many I pick, we'll have them all winter in our fridges. Yeah, we love to make our pickled beets. It's one of our favorite things. Again, with the pickling, us and our pickling. (laughs) And we've also been planting our bulbs this week. Um, It's getting toward that time here in New England. And depending on what zone you're in, you plant them, you know, early or or later. Um, So we've been planting them, you know, end of October, early November. Um, and we've put in daffodils and tulips, um, and we wanted to just note that here I am, a new gardener kind of, starting out, didn't realize how deep I should plant my tulips, and I quickly discovered that you have to plant them like three times the size of the bulb down, so whatever the, um, size of the bulb from the bottom to the top, you just measure that kind of down three times, and then that's how deep you should plant your bulbs. And it's just kind of a 
unwritten rule, I guess, for it. And that usually comes to about like six to eight inches into the ground. And Chelsea's talking mainly about tulips, daffodils, and the things that we bought. And we bought in 200 tulips and about 300 daffodils. And we add to our collection every year. Some go out in the orchard near the trees. Some go along the house beds. Some go anywhere we can find a spot. I'm pretty careful with mine because I try to put them where I won't put a perennial on top of them next year. (laughs) So I try to keep track of where I put them. But yes, so Depends on the bulb. Like if you're planting crocuses, they're very, very small. They're the size of a nickel. You're tucking those just an inch, an inch and a half under the ground. They don't want to be deep. So it goes exactly by the size of the bulb. The height of the bulb times three, and that's the depth you go. And pretty much you always plant them in groupings. They look kind of silly, and they look like soldiers in a row if you just go down the row and put one, one, one. So usually we'll dig a hole and put an odd number like five or seven or eight, I mean, nine or whatever, so that you have a good cluster come up in the spring. And we're always happy to see them. We keep our tulips pretty close to the house because the deer love to eat them, but nobody touches daffodils. So we put our daffodils everywhere. Yeah, nobody except the dogs (laughs) are sweet. Bo loves to just dig in the gardens all of a sudden. So it's a little bit of a battle between us and him. He tends to go and just dig up the bulbs no matter where we plant them. So he's a silly boy and <laughs> the gardener's worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Always. Uh, so we, and lastly, we've been working on clearing out our flower beds. By now, the flowers, the annuals are done. So we've been taking out our zinnias and um, our ageratums and clipping them at their bases, right? Because we want to leave the roots so that way they, um, over the winter, degrade back into the soil and then the microorganisms can kind of feed and munch on those roots and they'll die back and just give whatever nutrients were left in them back into the soil for next year's plants, right? So this week, we are going to talk and give step-by-step instructions on building your garden bed. So we've been running through tips and tricks for building one, and now we're actually going to tell you exactly how we would do it. So starting off, you want to make sure that you have the tools that you'll need, which would be a shovel, a pitchfork, trowel, things to dig into the soil because that's what you're first really going to do. And you're going to need to have, you know, a way to kind of move it around and then objects to uh, measure and line up kind of where your garden bed's going to go. So let's kind of get into it. So first, picking out your spot. That's step one. You want somewhere, like we've said before, somewhere that's sunny, um, an area that plants are already growing, like grass, but nothing super big because you don't want to have to compete with tree roots or like shrub roots. You want an area that um, is relatively clear but does have things growing. 
because you you want that life and also um, close to a water source too because you don't want to be lugging watering cans. We know that gardens need you know at least an inch of water a week, so um, you don't want to have to lug that. <laughs> all the way down super far. So being close to a hose or some spigot to get water would be great. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add me? No, I don't think so. I think it's the big day we've been waiting for <laughs> <laughs> to finally be close to putting some plants in the ground. And don't be afraid if you live in New England or a cooler climate. This is a perfect time to build a bed. Um, you put the whole thing together. You do all the things that we've previously told you in episodes. You probably don't need to feed the bed because you're going to let it sit there all winter. And when you get to the end, we'll have you put a pile of mulch. Usually we use um, shredded leaves or something like that on the top. But if you live in a warm climate, make sure you refer to your zone area so you'll know when your season is to plant, when you've made it past the worst heat and you're into a climate that'll let you start some plants and have them grow well through the winter. Or maybe it has to wait too until February or something like that when spring's arriving for you. So pay attention to your particular zone on when you're actually going to plant. But what we want you to do is get started on building that bed. Right. So measuring out the spot, that's step two. So you want to measure out your space, choose whatever size is right for you, depending on the size of your family and what you want to grow. Um, for a square bed, you can stake it with any kind of sticks and um, use a string to just kind of map out that rectangle. And then for a round bed, Mimi taught me this trick. You can use a hose to make a rough circle for how wide uh, you want the um, diameter to be. So roughly create that shape on the ground it can be a crazy shape, too. It can be shaped like a kidney bean. It can be <laughs> shaped true. like whatever you want. You might be coming off of your foundation. So you have a line in the back to work on, and then you would use your circle of your hose to mark the circle that you're going to make the edge of your garden. Right. And then the next step is cutting into that ground. So you're going to need a sharp tool like a shovel to really start edging and cutting into what the area that you just measured out. So you're going to want to remove that grass layer, that sod layer on top and flip it. Now, you don't want to just like remove it and take it out. You're just chopping it all up and just loosening it all and just disturbing that surface because we're going to use that sod. We like to have you use as much of your natural soil that you can for a couple of reasons. For one thing, it is what's natural in your area. It has the correct microorganisms for you. It has the kind of fertilizer that exists naturally in your soil, the minerals, etc. And the minerals are held in the deepest part. So really, when you shovel this out, what I'd like you to do is really put your foot into that shovel. I'd like you to go six inches into the ground. And when you come back up, you've got that soil, that grass clawed on your shovel. Just flip it over 
turn it so the grass is at the bottom and the dirt is on the top. The grass will rot away under that. If you leave the grass exposed on the top, then it can come up through the bed. But if you flip it over, and then it's going to save you money in the amount of topsoil and compost that you're going to buy to fill the rest of the bed. So get that grass, flip it over, so that way it starts... Once you've taken it and turned it upside down, it no longer is looking at that sunlight. So it's going to start to kind of kill. The roots get exposed to that oxygen and are getting burnt by that sunlight. They're going to start to die. And that's what you want for them to start composting because you don't want that grass to shoot and sprout and grow up in your garden. You don't want those weeds. So flipping them over ensures that they will just degrade back in. And if you're nervous at all, or if you physically can't flip the grass, you can cover that area with cardboard. We use a lot of cardboard here. We try to use cardboard that's not treated with a waxy surface or anything, just a regular whatever you're getting your packages in. You can also use brown paper bags or even newspaper. So what you do is you just make, you flip your soil, put a layer of cardboard on if you choose, and then you're going to build your bed on top of that. Great. So step three, guys, adding soil. So if you are going to make walking paths, take the vegetation and soil from walking paths. It really depends on the size of your bed, um, if you're if it the width is only four feet wide, you should be able to reach the middle from no matter like what side you're on. But if it's going to be anything wider than four feet, you're going to need a walking path in the middle to be able to reach everything that's in the middle. So that walking path material can be also scooped, chopped, flipped into the planting area, into those planting beds. So that way you're not losing that good soil and material that you would want, right? So flip that stuff in so that way it takes up that extra space. And then adding soil. So we recommend buying in a bit of soil. Since you're starting from scratch, you probably don't have enough compost really to fill the entire bed, enough of your own soil to fill the entire bed. So you pretty much are just looking at having to buy soil in. Um, But don't worry, like this isn't something necessarily that you have to do every year, but it's something that you just might have to do starting out. For this, we have done some research about different soil websites that you can go to to figure out how much soil you would need to buy in. Um, We'll post some links on our um, description underneath um, for that so that way you can look up and, you know, figure out your length and width and square footage area to figure out how much soil you need to buy. But, um, But soil bags are often one cubic square foot, so it might be easier for you, depending on how big your bed is, to buy it in bulk, to go to a local um, nursery. There's a bunch of them around us, so you might have to look online. You might be surprised by how many are around you for buying that soil in. But 
But remember that they're not going to deliver it to you unless you're buying yards of soil. And a cubic and, and a yard of soil is 27 um, cubic feet. So for most of you, if you're building a bed like we have that are four by eight, just that one delivery would be enough to fill the whole bed, but you haven't added any compost yet and you haven't added any peat moss. So I'm still torn and I still think if you buy it by the one cubic foot bags, you can handle them pretty easily and then you can layer it in your bed. It all depends on the size of your bed. I mean, if you're building a big garden area like we built a potato bed and our potato bed is probably 30 feet long by 10 feet wide. If you're talking something like that, then definitely you need to buy it in. But if you're trying to fill a raised bed in your backyard and you don't have access for a truck to drive there and dump it, you're going to be better off to just, you know, take a deep breath, buy the bags, get the whole bed put together. So it just depends on the size of your garden. And um, I have some figures for you, but they're based around building a bed that's either a four by eight square or a three by 10 oval or something like that. So um, I do have some suggestions as far as what you're, what you're going to need. And you're looking for a ratio of like 60% topsoil 20% compost and 10% peat. And we're also figuring you're going to have a few, you're going to have an inch on top of your bed that you need some place to have the soil move around. And you're going to have at least three inches of soil from what you flipped, okay, your very own soil at the bottom. So, but that'll give you an idea of, you know, you're going to use a dozen bags of topsoil and probably five bags of compost and a peat moss comes in compressed bales, probably a small bale, like a 2.2 cubic feet would be enough to fill a bed of those 32 or 30 square feet, cubic feet. So, um, but just keep the ratio of topsoil at 60, compost at 30, I think I said 20, 30, and peat moss at 10. And you can put it on in layers, and then you take your pitchfork or your shovel, and you just start mixing it and mixing it. And then the winter will help settle it all in and it will help mix it together and it'll bring worms and good creatures in from the bottom of the grass that you flipped. And again, for all of these things that you are buying in, we're always going to steer you steer you toward buying organic. So if you are buying um, one cubic square foot uh, bags of soil, uh, trying to find organic organic ones. Even at your local nursery, they should have some pretty good options. Um, Eva, we love going to our Agway. That's one of the um, uh, people around here. And we get their uh, brand topsoil and we've liked it so far. But we also like using Coast of Maine for our, um, you know, soil products and same for our compost as well. We like using their, we thought they have pretty good compost. Yeah, we've used their products for years. And I think when I was at Agway, they had four four bags of topsoil for like ten ninety five, something like that. So, and I'm figuring you're going to need 12 or a few more of that. So it doesn't make it too, too expensive. Right, right. 
So the next step talking about all of this. So you've bought in your soil. Now you're adding in the compost and we want to make sure that we're hitting those ratios. And again, finding a compost that does have life in it. So that's why we're looking for an organic kind of compost. If you're buying it in, you can also use your own if you've had a compost pile that's been established for a long time. Um, but that's then again, the best. Yeah, that's the best. That's what we would <laughs> really like you to do. But if you're just starting out in your garden, you might not have access to that. So finding um, a compost that is rich and then adding in the peat, again, hitting that those ratios. So we buy our peat in pretty big bales. Um but you can find them in like smaller size. The smaller one, um, I'm not sure how heavy it is. Well, they sell some places, which I love, sell a one cubic foot, which is very easy to handle. It has handles right on the bag that you can carry it by. The 2.2 is totally manageable. And the 3.8, we hate, but we use. <laughs> it takes two of us to lump it into the wheelbarrow. And then we usually cut it apart and you have to moisten it before you use it, which takes a while. I usually give it a couple days where I put it in the wheelbarrow and I hose it down. And because peat moss will absorb 200 times its weight in water. So it takes a while for it to get absorbing. It tries to repel the water at the beginning, which we've talked about. But once you get it dampened, it's wonderful as an aerator and um, just another thing to give your soil that soft, gentle texture that you're looking for so the roots can move straight through. Right, right. And I think it's the 2.2 that you want for an 8 by 4 sized garden. That's Correct. like the perfect size. But if you get that like 3.2. Eight or whatever. Yeah, then you might as well build two beds. Yeah, might as well build two or just chop it in half and use half yeah, of it in yeah, that exactly. eight by four. Exactly. Um, and once you've gotten everything into that measured out area, mix it all together. So mix that compost and topsoil and peat all together. And now you can do this with your hands. That's how I always prefer to work. I love feeling soil. I love getting dirty, but you might not be that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy, but <laughs> get your shovel or whatever tool you like and just mix all of that good stuff together and um, break up any just like big chunky blocks. You don't, you want everything to just be just well mixed, just like if you were baking a cake, you don't want lumps in the batter. Break it all up so that way it's nice and smooth. And again, if you're heading into the planting season, then you're going to fertilize your bed. Uh, one of the products that we use all the time is put out by a company called Espoma. And Espoma is building, creating wonderful organic fertilizer projects for us all. And we use garden tone. There's also planting tone. They all have a tone at the end of their name. So, but we're perfectly happy with plant tone. We use it in the ratio that they say. So for those of you who are getting ready to plant, fertilize as you're doing your mixing, they'll tell you how much to add. And um, those of you who aren't just wait and you'll do that in the spring before you plant. Yeah, and really 
the last step for the garden bed would be for if you're not heading into a planting season, take um, leaves or some sort of your preferred mulch. Again, we prefer using like a leaf, um, like a shredded leaf kind of compost on top for the for the mulching. But um, but you might like a hay or I think those would be really like the two like yeah. off the top of my head options. You wouldn't really use wood chips for this situation because you wouldn't want the wood chips to really mix into your garden bed soil. So using leaves or hay, we just prefer leaves because that's less likely to have weed seeds in it. And you don't want to, you know, get those grass seeds planted into your nice bed now and then have those sprout up all next year so and in the spring you'll just turn those leaves right into your garden you don't have to take them off to plant or anything like that you'll just turn the whole bed over with your pitchfork and get yourself ready to plant but mix those leaves right in I have had a couple of instances where I've used straw on my garden and it was not a good idea so um, for years I used it and used it a certain product and I loved it and it was a nice gentle mulch over seedlings, etc. But then I had two years in a row where it grew an extensive amount of hay so or straw. So um, I think the leaves probably are the best way to go. Yeah, and that kind of finishes up your dirt style garden bed. Now this would be something that um, doesn't really have a frame around it. And um, we're going to go into now what it would be like to build a garden bed using like a lumber frame. Now you could also use um, stones to um, frame your garden bed or bricks or cement blocks. Honestly, whatever you have, you can use to frame it and measure it out. If you had a fencing that you wanted to put around it, that would sort of work too. You wouldn't, I guess for um, something you want to be able to work in your garden bed still, so nothing too tall. So you want to be able to like bend over and still touch and work in the soil. Um, fencing would be better pulled off right. a little bit from your garden. And the whole reason you put a side up is just so the soil doesn't spill out. And even a in a regular garden bed, it it doesn't spill out, but it tends to if you have a heavy rain to wash out a little bit. So most people that are doing vegetable beds are using raised beds because they're very contained and because they're up off the ground, you have a little bit more control and you can reach things a little easier. For us, we actually, we're going to build a bed that's 12 inches tall for you, but for us, we actually go to the 24. So we have our beds way up higher. We have more soil depth so we can grow carrots and parsnips and things like that. But for you today, we're just going to build one that's 12 inches tall and 4 by 8 feet. So that's your 32 square feet of soil that you need to put in there. Right. And for our 24-foot or 24-inch high beds, we just take the same, <laughs> the 12-inch frames and just stack them on top of each other. So if you want a deeper bed, just build two beds and stack the frames on top of each other. Correct. <laughs> um, and then double the amount of soil and everything that you're putting into it. Um, so step one 
for raised bed building would be buying lumber. You want to make sure that it is untreated. And then the it go, it's a little tricky when you're buying lumber for the first time. We want you to sound really, really smart when you get to the lumber <laughs> yard. Yes, we do. So the first number is four. Indicates the thickness of the wood. And then Okay. The thickness, how thick that piece of planking is going to be. So you'd want it to be probably an inch. One inch. So that will often be a one. The second number is for width. Width of the board. So how wide it's going to be. How tall your bed's. I know how tall (laughs) your bed's going to be. So it's going to be a 12. So you're buying a piece of wood that's called a one by 12. And then you're going to tell them how long you want it to be. So if you're building an eight by a four by eight bed, then you need two pieces that are eight feet for the sides. And then you need one more eight foot piece that they could cut in half for you, which would be your two four foot end pieces. So when you go to the lumber yard, you're going to ask for a a one one by 12 12 that's eight eight. feet long. (laughs) (laughs) We just want you to sound smart and not have to go in there. So you're looking for, just say it casually, a one by 12 that's eight feet long. I need three of them, one of them cut in half. So, um, and then you're also going to need a a two by four because we're going to, Screw those side pieces into a section of two by four. It'll be your corners. It'll make the corners sturdier. So you're going to get a two by four that you will cut into some one foot pieces. And those will be your four corners and you're going to have some left over because you can't, you can't get a four foot piece of two by four. (laughs) You have to get an eight foot. So, um, so, and then you're going to, Put it all together. We like to use screws and a screw gun. It's a lot easier than banging hammers. And you're going to attach, hold the two by four and attach the two side pieces to it and then work your way around and do all four corners. So once you've got that bed, then you can you can build it anywhere. You can build it in your driveway. You can build it in your garage on a rainy day. You can build it anywhere. And then you just pick it up and you carry it down to the dirt that you have already flipped over and you settle that guy right on top of where your raised bed is going to be. You can tell she's done this before. (laughs) She sounds so professional. (laughs) Uh, So, and the nice part is about using screws that if you do move, you can unscrew the boards and take it with you. So it is, you know, that's just the nice part about using screws and it just saves you a little bit of a hassle. And, um, and yeah, so just place it right on top of that measured out area that you wanted and you can disturb that soil beforehand or afterward of where you place those boards down and that frame down. But it just, um, it is helpful having a raised bed to just keep it contained and it looks cleaner, I guess, when like aesthetically, when you look at it, it looks like a very clean, nice little garden area. But 
either way, I, the garden's still going to come out the same. Um, and from that point, once you have that frame, it's the same steps as a dirt bed of just flipping that soil and adding in more soil and compost and peat and then fertilizer if you're going to plant and choosing plants when you get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if it's not planting season, put leaves on top, right? Correct, correct. So Mimi brought this up to me the other day when we were chatting and thinking about this episode. She brought up this idea of lasagna gardens. And now it's something that I hadn't heard of before, but now I absolutely love them and would highly recommend everyone put in their lasagna garden. It is a no-till, no-dig garden design, which is great for people that are looking to build up those microorganism structures and create a home for those um, little guys, I guess. And it's a way of composting and gardening at the same time. So you don't have to lug compost to your garden bed. It's already there. It's already ready for you. And the nutrients are going to be there too, because the compost is going to be like so rich. It's great. So step one, pretty similar to the others, staking and framing the garden on the ground, picking the area out, picking somewhere sunny and measuring it all out. And for this type of garden, it is helpful to use a form of framing to keep the layers together. So you're going to be layering and stacking things on top of each other. So you want a frame for this. It helps a lot if you have a taller frame. And for something like this, maybe even having that 24 inch height would be helpful. And the taller it is, the more layers you can add. So just something to keep in mind when you're building this. Um, so going into the layers of this, for the layers, you'll need organic material that falls into the categories of green and brown material. So this would be um, like the brown material would be a carbon sort of based material. Um, brown dried leaves, newspaper, cardboard. These are all things that you're looking for. So that will be like your basis bottom garden. So for this style of gardening, you're not gonna disturb the soil very much beforehand. You're gonna put that frame on the ground and then you're gonna just put cardboard and things right on top of it. You're not gonna need to dig in and um, chop up the soil because as you're going you're like building up the soil you're not going to plant into like the ground necessarily it's going to be built kind of on top of it and for the green material that's going to be things like grass clippings like new vegetation that you no longer really use like vegetable scraps or garden clippings. These are things that would be really filled with nitrogen. So again, um, brown layers would start on the bottom and these layers should be larger and thicker than the green layers. So you'll have more of that carbon brown layer than you do of that green layer. 
And you'll just keep, start with the brown and then green on top and then brown and then green on top. And over time, this will all break down. So the worms will be really attracted to that brown layer, that first layer. And um, it's helpful if you wet, um, after you put down that green layer of whatever it is, the grass clippings or garden clippings, wet it down with the hose if it's not damp enough already because worms love that. Worms love the wet brown material and the wet green material. They love that moisture and that's all food for them. So they'll start working and breaking down these materials. And you can stop kind of alternating these layers of stacking the brown and the green once the bed is roughly two feet, you know, that 24 inches height. And um, it's helpful to start like a project like this in the fall because it gives it that time over the winter to break down. So you're going to have to wait before you plant in this. That's kind of the drawback with this style of gardening. It's not ready right away. You're going to have to give it time. So it's great to do it this time of year. So that way when spring comes for here in New England, it'll be ready. That material will have been composted and ready for you to start planting. So you'll have to just kind of let it cook down and the height will shrink a little bit, but then it will be ready. And I know people plant in it before it's broken down, at least <laughs> not all the way, because it's going to sound to you sort of like building a compost pile, which is pretty much what you're doing. But what most people do is they let it sit for a while and uh, then they begin to just um, with a tro with a trowel, just cut a hole through it all, and they'll plant right in the top of it. And the warmth as it's decomposing, the plants enjoy, and they begin to become part of the whole system. You can still continue to layer a little bit around the edges and things where you see it collapsing, but once you start planting in it, then it's really tricky to keep layering it. But each year that you look use this, the depth of that will get larger and larger because it does shrink down quite a bit. So then the next fall, you would add everything into it, turn the plants back into it, keep layering your layers in, and it won't be too many years before you have a whole bed full of this beautiful soil. Yeah, it, it really is a way of building, but also using at the same time. It, it's just, to me, it's such a great system. <laughs> well, they might work beautifully together actually if you have a raised bed that you've taken the time to build and and you build two of them and then one of them you grow in and the other one becomes your lasagna garden sometimes if people are nervous about spending enough money on the soil to fill you could actually take your four by eight foot bed and divide it down the middle and have one half with your soil you've bought and you filled it up made a great 
great garden spot. And the other half of the four by eight could be your lasagna garden. It's where you put all your clippings. It's where when you pinch off a dead leaf, you just toss it right in there. It would be so handy to have the two side by side. And within a couple of years, your other, your second half of the bed would be as good as the first half. And and now you have a whole four by eight foot bed to work with. So it's, um, it's definitely something that can be used and we all have material that we have to find a place to get rid of it. And most of us are um, carrying it via wheelbarrow to a compost pile that's away from the garden and things like that. So if you can keep the two close together, I think it makes an excellent idea. And the first couple of years, your bed would only be four by four. And then in a couple of years, you'd have your full four by eight. Yeah. So even... With the combination, I mean, a lasagna garden in combination with a raised bed or just a dirt garden is just a great idea. I think there's just so many benefits from doing it. Um, A lasagna garden itself alone has really great benefits of being able to just minimize the amount of weeds because of the thickness of the layers. So weeds aren't really a problem. They aren't able to sprout up through all of those layers. And then it retains water really well because there's so much in it and there's, it's super nutrient rich. So that means less buying a fertilizer. And over time, the soil just is so nice and loose and so easy to work with. Even if you have already a beautiful raised bed or wanted to put in a raised bed, it's might be just a great addition. And like we said, the material doesn't have to be totally broken down before you start to plant in it. You have to have a little bit of something where the roots can move into. But on the other hand, you certainly can have it keep working and keep composting while your plants are growing in it. So I would think every year you're going to get your season out of it. And then every off season, you're going to be filling it up with its next layers. So I think it's an ideal way to go. I've seen big ones. I saw so one that was probably 20 by 20. And believe me, it wasn't very broken down and the plants were great that were in it. So <laughs> so I think, you know, it's something to play with if you're interested and you like to try things for an adventure. Yeah. So I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys all go out and build yourself a garden bed and get really excited because it's still nice out right now, at least here in New England. We just had a nor'easter come through, but today is a beautiful day. It's so nice and warm, makes me want to go outside and play. So I hope you all get encouraged and enthused and want to be outside, even though it is starting to get chilly. So at least it'll give you something to do. Build yourself a garden. So I hope you guys have a really great week and keep listening. And next week we'll be back around. So have a really great rest of your day, everyone. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button and the little bell so that you are the first to know when we've released a new episode. Feel free to tell your friends or anyone that might like to listen. Another great way to support us is by rating us on the Apple Podcast app. This allows other listeners to find us more easily so they can check us out for themselves. Lastly, we want to thank those of you that have decided to donate to the podcast. 
It allows for us to pay for our equipment and software so that way we can continue to make the content that you all love. If you can and would like to support us in that way, there are links on our website, eastmeadoworchard.com, and also in the bio of our Instagram page, at Chelsea in the Meadow. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. This show was brought to you by Red Circle. It was edited by Chelsea Braz. Our master engineer was Ben Braz. And a special thanks to Barbara Dombrowski, Kristen Braz, and East Meadow Farm and Orchard for helping us make this possible.